It's been a good day to be together already. Amen. And would you pray with me now as we turn to God's word? Father, we give you thanks for what this season means to us and for this time where we focus our attention and our minds and our hearts on the great truth that you took on flesh, became Emmanuel with us. Lord, I pray that as Maddie's saying that we would believe this, not only in our minds, but God, that we would believe it in a way that truly impacts the way that we live, or that we believe it in our heart and in our soul, that we would know that it is true. So Lord, I pray that your word would speak to us today, and that it would encourage us in our belief of this this great truth. In Jesus' name, amen. The, uh, the message of this sermon today is, is a very simple one. I think that throughout this sermon we'll talk about some things that will challenge us, that will stretch us, that will challenge us to think and to consider what God's calling us to in our life. But really the message itself is very simple, and it's this. God has come to bring salvation to you. God has come to bring salvation to you. Matthew 12, 21 says that in his name, the nations will put their hope. And over the last uh, few weeks, as we've been um, during this Advent time, we've been thinking about this idea that in the name of Jesus and in the name of Emmanuel, that the nations put their hope in this. And we've heard that this message of salvation is a, a universal, it is a, a wide salvation. It stretches into every part of human life. The kingdom of God is coming. Emmanuel is coming. The king of kings and the Lord of lords is coming to bring his rule and his reign over every area of human life, over politics and economics, uh, overcoming the the powers of, of racism and the other kinds of things in our culture that divide us. It is a wide and universal salvation. But it is also very deep and particular. It is focused and directed at your heart. Mary, after she gave birth to Jesus, eight days later, her and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. And there they met a prophet. And this prophet came to Mary and he looked at her and he said, Mary, this baby that was born to you is going to cause the rising and falling of many in Israel. In other words, this one is going to bring salvation to many. It is a wide salvation. But then he turned it and he said, and Mary, a sword will pierce your own heart as well. This is a salvation that is wide and universal, and it is deep, and it is particular, and it is aimed at your heart. God has come to bring salvation to you. 
That is the simple message of this sermon today. And this sentence has three clauses. God has come to bring salvation to you. And those are the three points of the sermon, okay? So if you, uh, we don't have our bulletins today, by the way. We've had uh, server problems on Fridays twice this month that have kept us from having bulletins. And so we don't have a bulletin. But if you have a piece of paper, if you want to write notes, those are the three points of this sermon. God has come to bring salvation to you. And so let's talk about this first one, that God has come. When we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate this idea of the incarnation, and that is the the theological word for God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Incarnation. And this idea, this truth that we confess, that the eternal God, the creator of all things, the one who sustains all things with his mighty word, that he became flesh and dwelt among us, is a great scandal of the Christian faith. It is the foolishness of the Christian faith. Other religions, uh, Judaism and Islam in particular, revile this idea that the eternal God, the one who is holy, the king of kings, the one who created all things, that he would become flesh. When they hear this, they think that they are making that we are making God very small. That God, the all-powerful, would become a little baby. That he would find himself in a manger. They think that we are making God very small. But what we learn in the incarnation is that this is exactly what we needed for salvation. What the incarnation says to us is the radical need for our broken hearts and for our broken world to be healed. That there's nothing within ourselves and there's nothing within our world that could bring salvation. We needed salvation from the outside. This claim that we are so broken, that our world is so wrecked, that we needed God to come in from the outside to us, I think that we have a a pretty good argument there, don't you think? When we look at our world and we see the devastation that continues to happen over and over and over again, the war and the famine and the disease and the racism and the broken marriage and the sin that each of us know are in our own hearts, we know that we know that we know that we cannot overcome these things. We know that no human invention, no uh, political arrangement, no uh, economic reality could bring healing to this world. We've tried over and over and over again, haven't we? And nothing works. All of our technology and our progress, all of the things that we have done to improve life in our world, every time there's an improvement, it seems seems that those technologies also create as many problems as they solve. Think about this wonderful thing called the internet. What an incredible gift. What an incredible tool that we have as human beings to connect with one another and to acquire information and to learn so many new things and have access to all these things. But what evil and wickedness are there intermixed with it as well? Think about something like like nuclear power. What an incredible opportunity, the potential to have the energy to create and to have the power to uh, light up our houses and to fuel our cars and whatever it may be, that great potential also has created 
a great possibility of us destroying one another. All of our progress, all of our technology creates just as many problems as they solve. Our world is so wrecked that we needed salvation from the outside. There was nothing within us, and we know this in our own lives. We can talk generally about the world, but we know this in our own lives, don't we? That we cannot, in and of ourselves, overcome this sin that is within us. We cannot do it by ourselves. And this is why uh, a program like AA has been so, um, so phenomenally successful and has proven to be successful over the years. Because one of the first three steps of AA, one, admit that I have a problem and that I am powerless over my alcoholism. I am powerless. There is nothing within me that can overcome it. Number two, what is step number two? Belief that there is a higher power that does have power over my powerlessness. And then number three, I'm going to commit my will and my life to this higher power. This is a truth based on biblical principles that has set people free because it admits that we do not have the power to save ourselves. We needed salvation from the outside. God has come to bring salvation to you. And so far from the incarnation being something that makes God small, the incarnation shows that God is great. The incarnation shows that God is great. I came across a quote this week. I feel like I've shared this with you before, but I I don't remember, and it was uh, good enough to share again, even if you've heard it before. But it's from Tim Keller. He's a a pastor at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York. And uh, I think in this quote, I think he's actually riffing on some ideas from C.S. Lewis. Um, But he says this about the incarnation. He says, The power of the higher, just insofar as it is truly higher, can come down into the lesser. And everywhere the great enters the little, its power to do so is the test of its greatness. You can become kittenish with your kitten, but your kitten will never talk to you about philosophy. Everywhere the great enters the little, its power to do so is the test of its greatness. The inability of the lesser to enter the greater is the proof of its lesserness. Hitler could never understand Lincoln, but Lincoln can understand Hitler. Wisdom always understands foolishness, but to foolishness, wisdom is utterly incomprehensible. Unselfishness no selfishness, but, the selfish, but to the selfish, the deeds of the unselfish are completely incomprehensible. Therefore, if God is truly great, the incarnation makes perfect sense. In fact, now because of it, we know how great he is. The greatness of God is greater than we ever thought. The most high has become the most low. The incarnation shows how far the Most High was willing to come to save us. And it also shows us that it's the only thing that ever could. 
God has come to bring salvation to you. So let's talk about this bringing salvation. And I want to say two things about the salvation that God brings into our life. There's many things that we could say about God's salvation, but there's two things today. The first is that God's salvation is, comes to forgive us of our sin. And the second is that God's salvation comes to free us from our sin. God's salvation comes to forgive us of our sin, to make us holy, to make us righteous, to make us clean, to make us able to stand before God. And secondly, that God has come to free us from our sin, to set us free from this slavery to sin. I want to take a look for a bit at Mary's song from Luke chapter 1 to talk about this salvation that God is bringing. So turn with me to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading at verse 46. This is an amazing story in the scriptures. Elizabeth and Mary, both pregnant miraculously, and they are cousins, and Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. Uh, And you can imagine the joy that they have. Elizabeth, who had been barren for an entire life and uh, now this miracle of a baby inside of her, which would, who would be John the Baptist. And then Mary herself, uh, a virgin who becomes pregnant. We can only imagine the joy and the anticipation and the question and the wonder that was going on between Mary and Elizabeth. And as they greet one another and as they are celebrating, Mary then bursts out into this song. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Who's the actor in this song? (laughs) Who is the one who brings salvation? He is the one. He has performed mighty deeds. He has scattered the proud. He has brought down rulers. He has filled the hungry with good things. Our salvation comes from the outside. God has come to bring salvation to you. And one of the main characteristics of this God who saves in Mary's song is that God is a God of mercy. Twice Mary refers to the mercy of God. Mercy. God is going to act as Savior by extending his mercy to us. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. For those of you who are a part of Revive, one of the verses is Romans 6.23, right? For the wages of sin is death. What we deserve is death because of our sin. 
Mercy is getting what we do not deserve, which is forgiveness and life. Aren't you glad that our God is not like Santa Claus? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and who's nice. Our God does see us when we're sleeping. He knows when you've been bad or good. He knows when you've been naughty. And he gives us his gifts anyway. That we don't get what we deserve. We receive forgiveness because he is good, not because we are. God did not humble himself and become flesh and take the nature of the servant because he saw how wonderful we were and that we deserved it. He did it because of how loving he is. Mary's song tells us of God's salvation that comes because of his merciful character. We do not get what we deserve. God is coming. God has come to save you. God has come to bring salvation to you by forgiving you of your sin, by not giving you what you deserve. And secondly, he has come to save you by freeing us from your sin. Forgiveness tells us that we can stand in the presence of a holy God. We who are sinful people that God has made a way for our sins to be forgiven and for us to stand in his presence. And what he says to us right now is not as if that, as if, as if that were not good enough. What he says to us is I'm also going to set you free from your sin. You can overcome the things that you are dealing with. I have become flesh. I have dwelt here on this earth. I have went to the cross and died. I have rose from the dead, and I have sent my spirit into the world, into your life, that you may overcome this sin that keeps you in bondage. God loves us too much to keep us as we are. He loves us too much than to simply wipe our sin under the rug, sweep our sin under the rug. He loves us too much. He is at work saving you from your sin. Sin in the Bible uh, is described as slavery. It keeps us from joy. It destroys our relationships. It shrinks our souls so that we cannot have communion with God And God wants to set us free from these things so that we can overcome them. And there are story after story after story after story in this building of men and women who have not only been forgiven for their sin, but set free from their sin. And there are many, many, many stories that still are waiting to be told. Many, all of us, who still have sin in our lives, in our hearts, 
that we need to be set free from. God has come to bring this salvation to you. Do you know it? And will you receive it? What are you to do in order to receive this salvation? Well, what you need to do is first to admit that you are the most low. The most high can come most low only when the most low says, I'm low and I need you. Jesus calls this being poor in spirit. If we lift ourselves up and believe, I can do this on my own strength, I can overcome these things on my own strength, God can't enter into that and heal us. And so if we are going to receive this salvation from our sin, we must become like the most low, admit that we are powerless in and of ourselves to overcome these things and to give ourselves to him. To admit that you are poor and needy. You're going to receive the salvation. That is the first step. Admit that you are poor and needy. Become the most low so that the most high can enter into your life and bring healing. Secondly, is to ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Ask. Ask God to do this to forgive you of your sin and to set you free from your sin. I'd like the worship team to, to come forward and uh, they're going to sing a song this morning for us. Um, a song of, of response for us to think about. And this morning, if you need to respond in any way, if you need to humble yourself, if you've been a follower of Jesus, but you know that you need to humble yourself and become like the most low in order that the most high may enter in and bring you healing, I would invite you to come forward. If this is all new to you, if you have not heard this truth that God became flesh, that God has come to bring salvation to you, I invite you to come forward today as well. If you would like to pray with someone today, we invite you to come over to this side of the altar and kneel and pray, and somebody will come and pray with you. If you'd like to pray on your own, we invite you to come over here and to pray and to um, uh, seek the Lord and to uh, ask him whatever is on your heart. So they're going to sing one song for us, and then I believe we're going to sing together a song. Uh, But uh, would you join me now in, in prayer? Lord, we thank you that you have come to bring salvation to us. We thank you that you are the kind of God who hears the cries of your people, who sees that we were in slavery to sin, and who did not stand far off, but who came among us, became the most low in order to save us. We pray for each of us today. Each of us need this message. Whether we have been walking with you for many, many years or whether this is all new to us, we need to hear that you have come to bring salvation to me. Amen.